What up, what up, what up, man? The Real Coach JB is back at it. Uh, appreciate everybody coming on in this morning on that Talk That Talk Tuesday. Steve Kim's going to join me this week. Um, since there is no uh, Jason Whitlock, he'll be joining me. We're going to talk some boxing today. All right. Uh, I'm going to show him that I know a little more than he thinks I know about some boxing. So we're going to throw hands together today. Uh, we're going to break down Baker Mayfield being Baker Mayfield. Uh, he looks exactly like Baker Mayfield looked, uh, like I said he would yesterday during this show. Um, and, uh, he looked like Baker and Aaron Rodgers looks bad as well. The Packers are bad. The Rams are worse in a bad league. Can't wait to break all these things down. Uh, plus UCLA finally gets a big time recruit. Uh, quarterback flips from Oregon to go to UCLA. Chip Kelly finally lands somebody. The first guy since who? Josh Rosen? I don't know, but they haven't got a lot of big-name guys. They got one uh, apparently last night. I'm going to break those things down. As Steve Kim joins us in the second hour, we're going to break down all things boxing. Floyd Mayweather, is he the GOAT? I beg to differ. Can't wait to share my thoughts. I'll see you on the other side. Peace. Appreciate everybody joining me. This show is brought to you by betonline.ag. Head on over to betonline.ag. Use the promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V. And also, don't forget, I'm in the running to win me something special. Go get you some can of dips, cbd.com. Use the promo code COACHJB at can David LaFleur, Detroit is in the house. What up, my brother? Appreciate you guys joining me this fine Talk That Talk Tuesday. Pound the like button, subscribe, become a member. Man, we had 500 people in here watching this thing yesterday. We already got 120 already three minutes in. Shout out to you guys for coming in this morning. But pound the like button, man. It draws attention to the channel, apparently. So I appreciate you guys. Uh... Lots to break down today, man. Jalen Hurts has another sprain, uh, sprained shoulder. He suffered in the Bears game. Uh, I can't wait to break this down, man. I'm going to give you some hot takes. Eddie Manyweather's in the house. I know he's upset about his Dallas Cowboys. Uh, he texted me the other night on DM and said, you know what? You were right about the Cowboys. You were right about this. Eddie, it's not about being right. It's just about a little bit of experience. I kind of know what I'm doing in this thing. You know, I've been doing it a while. Dak Prescott just continues. You know, he's going to be Dak Prescott, dog. It ain't no big deal. It ain't nothing personal. It's all business. Uh, get you the quote of the day to start you guys off. Sometimes the people you wanted as part of your story are only meant to be a chapter. Let that sink in, Eddie. Eddie, the Cowboys may just be a chapter in your story, and you want them to be your story. Dog, they just aren't going to win another Super Bowl in our lifetime, Eddie. I'm sorry. You know what I'm saying? I'm sorry, Eddie. That's just a fact of uh, life. That's just sometimes the fact of life hit us, dog. You know what I'm saying? Um, but sometimes the people you wanted as part of your story are only meant to be a chapter. Hey, dog, I came up with that 
thinking about the cats that I thought were in my story. People I've known 30 plus years, 20 years, 15 years. And I'm just like, damn, no matter how long you know a cat, it could even be family. They'll all backstab your ass. Be careful. Don't be, don't, don't worry about getting stabbed in the back. Be careful at who's stabbing you in the back when you turn around and see who's holding a knife. That's the cold part. A lot of cats don't want to do that. Um, a lot of cats just don't understand that. I, I don't know why, but, um, you know, it is what it is. Uh, the poll question today, uh, are the Packers alive? Um, I, we're going to break this down. Aaron Rodgers didn't look very good last night. I'm going to be honest with you. Aaron Rodgers didn't look great. Um, Aaron Rodgers did not look great, but at the same time, uh, this is a bad league. We're in a bad league. Uh, we're in a bad league with bad quarterback play. Baker got back to being Baker. Like I said yesterday on the show, he looked horrible. Um, he made a couple third down throws that I thought were okay. He made a couple third down throws. He does look more comfortable in McVay's system. I will tell you that. Uh, but he's just Baker Mayfield, dog. He's just not very good. Uh, I'm sorry. He's just not very good. Um, lots of breakdown. Matt McChesney will be joining us, uh, hopefully. Um, Matt McChesney will be joining us. Sorry about that. Matt McChesney will be joining us as well, hopefully, uh, this morning, if he can get his computer fixed and so forth. Uh, let me get you the contrary of to belief. All right, brought to you by CandidateCBD.com. If you get a gut feeling that something ain't right about someone or a situation, trust it. Contrary to belief, trust it. If you got a gut feeling that the girl's cheating on you, trust it, dog. Hey, we got intuition too. Not just females got intuition. We got intuition too. So trust your gut is the moral of this contrary to belief story. If you get a gut feeling that something ain't right about something or a situation, trust it. I promise you it works out. Your gut don't lie to you. If you're walking down that alley with your girl, there's a chance she gets snatched up by me. <laughs> so you better go the other way. So, uh, just throwing that out there. Don't walk in dark alleys in the night. Just get to stay out of it, dog. It, it, that is where I want to give you another contrary to belief that's not even on my own real contrary to belief. If you're walking down an alley because your gut has to tell you, you're just flat out ignorant. It all shouldn't take a gut instinct to tell you don't walk down the alley with your girl. <laughs> You should just not walk down the alley with your girl. Um, be yourself, contrary to belief. Be yourself, because an original is worth more than a copy. Contrary to your belief, man. Original stuff is worth more than a copy. How many original autographs do you have? How many fake ones do you have? How about you let that resonate? Did you ever watch Pawn Stars? What they used to have to do when Pawn Stars in Vegas when it became a big show with Chum Lee and all these guys, they had to bring experts in. Is this the original ex Is this the original autograph? Oh wow! Guess what? The money went way up, didn't it? 
oh, this is a fraud. This is fake. I'll give you five fifty bucks. Be yourself, man. The original is worth more than a copy. I don't understand why people want to be someone they're not. I don't get it. You want to impress so hard and so bad to be something that you'll never be. And you'll never even meet the guy you want to be like. Man, start trying to be yourself and work on that. If you see me talking to myself, contrary to belief, just move along. We are having a team meeting, contrary to your belief. We, (laughs) me and myself and I and all the other shit is in my head. We are having a meeting. I might be talking to myself quite a bit, dog. And if you don't understand what that means, then you just aren't very smart. So go ahead and think about what I just said. If you see me talking to myself, just move along. We're having a team meeting. I just want to let you know. That's Contrary to Belief, brought to you by betonline.ag. Use the promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, and candidatecbd.com. Um... We're going to get into this show, man. Baker's back to being Baker, and Aaron Rodgers doesn't look much better. The Packers are bad. The Rams are worse. Steve Kim's going to join me to talk about boxing. Uh, it's time to wake up with me. Hit the like button, subscribe, become a member. Uh, Willie McGinnis, I've known for a long, long time. I don't know if you guys know Spree. Spree was my host on this show. We started the Slapdick Podcast. Uh, my best friend in the world, probably one of them, uh, if not the, my best. Willie McGinnis lived with him growing up all through high school. At Long Beach Poly. His older brother and Willie were the same age. They went to high school together. I've known Willie a long time. Willie is still a street cat. I just want to be clear with you. Willie grew up in it. He's from it. Uh, Long Beach. He has a uh, very uh, prominent family that's in it. That what you saw last night on TMZ of him beating someone down with his crew and then hitting him with some glass. I guess with some bottles. I don't know what was happening. If you notice who started it. I don't know who started it. We don't know that. All you see is a guy sitting down and Willie going over to him and looking him in the face, bending down to him. And that man got out of the seat. And then Willie tried to beat his ass, right? You didn't see an entourage go up to the guy. You saw Willie. Just like you would see me do it. Real ones do real stuff. So don't be alarmed. Now, what's going to happen to Willie? I don't know. He's really liked that NFL network, but you can't do shit like this nowadays in 2022. Everything has a camera. He, he knows better. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they fire him and he's back doing, he's doing a podcast uh, one day and he's just like me. Because <laughs> I'm just telling you, dog, these cats, these cats are going to let you do that on TV. They're not going to let you just keep doing that. So, um, you know, it is what it is, man. Who's asking the same question? I haven't seen it. Um, Dylan Thomas. Uh, I'm going to get rid of these. You know, I get rid of BMKs. Uh, Coach Davis is just in here to have real banter and watch the show and give up good conversation. I hate when we have to deal with these BMKs. Cats that come in the show and just, like, it, it blows my mind. It blows my mind. But um, we're in here, so 
let me make sure I, I didn't see the chat yet so i just got through it um Clint Walker, I appreciate you. Uh, fastest three minutes brought to you by Slapdick Cigars. Yeah, you know what? My, I had a phone call, man, and cut the show off. It cut my video off, and I had to end it, man. So I apologize on the three fastest three minutes. I uh, got a couple questions. Kojin uh, Gotta Be Doe, I don't know what your name is. You got to become a member because your name, if I can't pronounce your name, then I can't answer your question. I just got to be honest. <laughs> So just be honest with you. Cordell Shannon, you got to become a member. Uh, Coach Ruble asked, uh, what do I think about the bowl season so far? I think it's horrendous. I, I haven't even watched one game. It's just, it's not worth it. Um, oh, Mike Tyson, I argue he's not even close to being the greatest, Ron. We're going to break that down, though. We're going to break that down. Appreciate everybody joining me this morning. Uh, Cameron Lowe, what up? Um, yeah, the bowl games are just very bad. Uh, very bad. Yeah, uh, I'm going to get into this last night. Uh, let's get into some uh, hot takes real quick. Uh, Jalen Hurts has a sprained shoulder. He suffered during the Bears game. I got to break this down. I don't know if you guys are going to agree or not agree, but this is the real. Jalen Hurts, put a check box, put a check mark next to his name. Lamar Jackson, put a check mark next to his name. Justin Fields, put a check mark next to his name. Trey Lance. Put a check mark next to his name. Carson Wentz, put a check mark next to his name. Marcus Mariota, put a check mark next to his name. What do those check marks mean, Coach JB? They mean I told your ass if you don't know how to throw from the pocket on time and you got to run around all day to make plays, you ain't going to last very long in this thing called the NFL. Sorry, if you can't throw on time, you're going to get hurt. You're going to sit there, and you're going to be hurt, and you're not going to help your team. Now he's going to be down against the Cowboys, who need to win this game in a bad way. Um, oh, Jalen Hurts, they're talking about you. They're talking about you. You want to be the greatest? You better get right and play, dog. You can't be a bleeder like AD. Sorry, you can't be a bleeder like CP2. You can't be a bleeder. You got to play in the biggest games especially when Michael Parsons is calling you out, telling you that you're not very good, that he agrees with Coach JB, that you're very average on a good team that throws the ball 50% at the line of scrimmage or behind it. But what does Coach JB know? I don't know nothing. But all those check marks I just checked, Justin Fields, guess where he's at? He's been hurt. He's back now running, looking like uh, Walter Payton, but... He's still horrible throwing the football. Trey Lance, where is he at? Sitting outside on the house. Carson Wentz, where is he at? Just got back healthy, but we know his career has been hobbled with injury. Marcus Mariota, he's done for the year, and he quit, and he, who knows what he did. But you know who's next? Unfortunately, I hate to put this on anyone, knock on wood, Josh Allen is next. He's a horse collar away from breaking a femur. He's a horse collar away from the Bills being irrelevant again. So I'm just telling you, like, when are you going to understand if you can't throw the ball on time from the pocket, knowing the protection and the coverage and the rotation and the protect, everything that comes into quarterback play, then you're going to run around and ad lib and get hurt. But it's crazy how I said all those cats would struggle. And look at all the cats that have been hurt. 
Lamar Jackson's still out, by the way. Trey Lance is out. Hurts now, we don't know. Josh Allen's just waiting, just keeps running the football, no ball security at all. Ball security, job security, by the way, if you don't know football. He holds a ball like a loaf of bread out here. Mahomes is not far away. Burrow, the way, the only reason Burrow has lasted this long, even though he got hurt year one, is because their O-line's bad, but he stays in the pocket and throws the football on time. He uses his feet accordingly. He doesn't use his feet as his primary weapon. All these other cats use their feet as their primary resource of point production and moving the sticks. It is not sustainable. That's all I'm telling you. That's all I'm telling you, dog. It's not sustainable. So we're going to see. We'll see, man. We're gonna see this. We're gonna see how this NFL thing unfolds. Um, we're gonna see how this thing unfolds. Uh, man, I haven't watched Last Chance You basketball. I haven't watched Last Chance You football. Shit, why would I watch Last Chance You basketball? Do you think I want to hear about a coach who don't cuss? <laughs> Get the hell out of here, man. Get out of here. It's ironic, though. It is a real talk banter we're going to have real quick with my TikTokers, all right? The reason I've I've been approached on possibly going after Netflix on a lawsuit is this reason. After my show on Netflix and after I left the show, which, by the way, they would still be filming me, if you, contrary to belief. They'd still be filming me if I stayed at Indy. I just want to throw that out there real fast so you all know, okay? That's coming from the owner of Netflix. I just want to throw that out there so you know. All right. So here we go. I want to break something down. I'm on the show. My show is the highest rated show of all Last Chance Use. That's not a debate. Sorry. Don't come at me about not being a debate. It was the most highly watched show, binge watched show in the history of television, by the way. A little less of fucking series. Okay? I just want to be clear. Now, having said that, who came after me? Can you tell me who came after me? This is the reason I have lawyers that are saying, you know what? There's something to this. So you use me, depict me in a manner to get ratings. You probably blackball me, since we're being honest, in the profession of coaching, because coaches' administration now are soft. They're, oh, my God, that guy yelled at everybody. It's funny that I did it for 20 years. They call me Lord of the Rings. But then after 20 years, having 28 guys in the NFL and 260 Division One and eight win a Super Bowl, I can't coach all of a sudden? I'm confused. So come to find out, we did some research. Who followed me? The guy at Laney College, another show I did not watch, up here in Northern California. Guess what he was known for? Mental health. He was a mental health guy, apparently. Apparently, he had his wife come and talk to the kids, and they did mental health, and they did da-da-da. He don't cuss a lot. Okay. What happens after that guy? Football was not very good. 
They had like one guy go D1. Not no knock. It's just what it is in California. And a walk-on kid and it's in a corner, right? All right. Then they go to basketball. What is basketball coach known for? He's known to not cuss at all. So wait a second. The last highly rated show was with me, the guy they call the psychomaniac guy running around cussing out babies at Walmart, right? You got the highest rated show, but yet you, after you is a mental health guy who don't cuss and then a basketball guy who don't cuss. What does that look like on me? Does it look worse or better? <laughs> it makes it look even worse on me. So now they depicted me even a worse way. So that's kind of what has me irked right now. When I thought about it, I didn't think about it. I'm like, really? You guys have me out there who's being himself, real. And then you got guys that want to fake and do all these other things because they're on camera. And you wonder why shit went like this rating wise. And, but guess what? Who took the blunt? Me. I'm the sacrificial lamb, I guess. Uh, it is what it is. I'll never waver who I am. I'll never. Be an original, dog. It's better than the copy. <laughs> it's better than the copy. Sorry. Just keeping it real. Um, I don't know, dog. I just can't. I got I just wanted to be honest with you. I just want to throw that out there. A lot of you haven't heard that. A lot of you guys don't know that. A lot of you don't understand that. Um But, you know, it is what it is, dog. It is what it is. I, You know, guess what, though? Let's break it down even further. Laney had two kids go D1. Two. I had 45 a year. I had more on my team in Indy than the state of California JUCOs had combined. I'm just throwing that out there. I had 101 in three years. 30 power five. I got eight in the league from that team now, either on practice squads or on a roster or in a CFL or XFL or USFL off of that, off of those two seasons. I'm just saying highest graduation rate, highest GPA amongst playing football teams, highest retention rate. No one left me. I cut people. Nobody left me. But if I'm such the asshole and I'm so hated, how can I get the best players every year to keep coming to me? Oh, you didn't think about that one. If he's such an asshole, how the hell do all the best players in America want to play for Coach JB? Oh, we don't ask that question to ourselves. We just hear everything JB says and I think he's an asshole, so we automatically think he's horrible. Why haven't you seen a player tweet about me and talk shit? I have yet to see it. Can you please tell me? Why have I had most of my players on the show? I don't know. Maybe I, I don't understand. Can you please break that down for me? But I'm the asshole. I don't know. I just wanted to clarify since everyone out there knows so much more than me. 
But a lot of you can't understand. A lot of you don't get it. A lot of you don't grasp it. A lot of you don't understand. And then somebody on TikTok says, so why aren't you coaching? <laughs> See what I'm saying, dog? These kids don't listen. I just told a whole heartfelt drug out story. And then this retard says, so why aren't you coaching? <laughs> See, that's why TikTok bans me, dog, all the time. Bruce Helms, shut up. You know Kingston Davis was a shitbird. Shut the hell up. Plus, by the way, he didn't leave me. I cut him. <laughs> uh, Cameron, these clowns, dog, are just clickbait. They want clickbait. They want clickbait. Um, it is what it is. But I'm just saying, Jalen Hurts, Lamar Jackson, Justin Fields, Trey Lance, Carson Wentz, Marcus Mariota, Josh Allen's next. Who am I missing? Who am I missing that I've been saying, if he don't learn to throw from the pocket, he's going to get hurt. It ain't sustainable. Lamar Jackson has probably lost $150 million by not signing the contract and risking it and betting on himself. <clears throat> so I'm just telling you, <clears throat> that is what it is. <clears throat> so what do I know? MC Robinson, <clears throat> coach, your team with Malik, you think that that team would beat Buddy Stevens' East Mississippi team? Well, <clears throat> we had eight NFL players. That one East Mississippi team had one. I uh, just want to throw this out. I'm just throwing the stats out there, okay? We had 45 D1 kids. They had eight. All right. They have, they're allowed to have eight out of state kids in Mississippi. We were unlimited. So Mississippi talent is better than Kansas talent. Okay. But on the bigger scale of things, if you just look at it, did East Mississippi ever have a first round draft pick? No. Did I? Yeah. <laughs> I'm just throwing that out there, dog. I, by the way, I have 10 first-round draft picks. And uh, I just want to be honest. East Mississippi plays in a league that only has eight out-of-staters. Uh, to be honest, I think we'd have beat the shit out of them, but that's just me. We had uh, When you have to have an in-state athlete go against an out-of-state athlete and have to defend that, so let's just say... My whole offensive line went Division One, three Power Five. We we're six, seven, three thirty across the board. Their D line was quick, but a little undersized. They were most Mississippi kids. I, you know, that's where you look at it. Like, can we run the ball? They would not have been able to stop Jamal, Raheem Boyd. They weren't going to stop Carlos Thompson. They weren't going to stop any of these guys that we had at the time. So Calvin Jackson, were they going to be able to defend Calvin Jackson? Carlos Thompson, Marquise King, all in one, plus all the other kids I had? No, they weren't. So, I mean, I, I, I'm just throwing that out there. That's kind of uh, how I, I – I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, we beat – they're sorry. They do a great job. Buddy's done a great job there for a long time. He's turned that place into a, a powerhouse over the years. I'm just giving you the rules and the insight and what it was talent-wise. I could have went on the bench and brought more Division I kids off the bench to play. He cannot. He's going on the bench and getting in-state kids who have to go and compete against my backup D1 kids. 
So I'm just letting you know, I want you to see the whole thing in totality, how this thing works. Kansas was out of state. Mississippi's not. Texas is not. California doesn't have dorms and scholarships. So I'm just giving you the landscape of JUCO football. Um, and by the way, they had Dakota Allen. And can I be honest with you? Um, you can call me dumb or whatever you want to call me. Dakota Allen um, wanted to come to Indy. And he was leaving Texas Tech. And I went on. I, I watched the film on the kid when he was leaving Tech. And I was like, dog, I don't know if he could play here. And that is my honest assessment. I told our staff, we're not going after him. Now, retrospectively speaking, you look back and say, okay, was he? I thought he was stiff. I thought he was hip stiff. Um, I, I thought he was a smart football player. But I thought he was very stiff and heavy. Lower, He had a heavy torso, meaning he wasn't a guy that just popped out at me as being a ripped athletic Mike Backer. We did not take him. He went to East Mississippi and did a uh, good job, and he's, he keeps being a journeyman in the NFL. He keeps moving around. He, he, he keeps getting on a practice squad or a roster, so kudos to him. I wish him the best, um, but that is a true story. I, we did not recruit him at all. Um, I, I, was, I ordered my staff. I'm not interested. I thought we were more athletic at linebacker, which we were. Uh, we had two guys that were big-time D1 kids. Uh, Joko Willis, who uh, played at Ole Miss, um, and a little undersized kid, but he fit our system at the time. And I'm not just going to get you to – if you don't fit our system, I'm not going to hurt you and waste you. So you can also argue that I did not recruit him, and it helped him move on and play in a system that was more conducive to help his skill set. But you won't look at it that way. Oh, JB, you're dumb. You didn't recruit Dakota Allen. Yeah, okay. I'm telling you. <laughs> I sent 45 D1 a year. East Mississippi sent eight. Okay? So guess who's dumb? <laughs> um, Alan, try to tell people, dog. They don't realize, Alan. They don't realize that. Chauncey Rivers was a transfer from Penn State, I believe. Uh, he ended up going back to Georgia or whatever. He was a good player. I liked him. Uh, he was already at East Mississippi, though, when I got there. He's old. He was there before I got the job at Indy. Bruce Helms, knower of all things. Um, so just throwing that out there. Aubrey Chambers, uh, since we're talking about it. Listen, I had an op opportunity, Allen's last year, to go be an offensive coordinator um, at an FCS. I had a chance to be a quarterback coach, recruiting coordinator at an FBS, and I turned both of them down. Uh, now you can look back and say, oh, you're dumb. Um, when you look at these jobs, I tell you guys all the time, and I truly live by this, not every job is a good one. I don't care if it's a D1. I don't care if it's a head coaching job. I don't care if it's a coordinator job. Not all jobs are good ones. But when you're young, you don't understand that. You think, oh, a D1. 
So both schools that I was knew the head coach well, I knew the staff. Uh, we had a mutual interest. This was the issue. I knew they were going to get fired. And I told them that straight out. And that's why I did not do it. And I wasn't going to give up full autonomy, a $2 million Adidas contract, an opportunity to help a bunch of kids move on and get Division I scholarships and run the show my way to go be a coordinator and be fired year one. I wasn't going to do it. And I made the right choice at that time. Now you look back and say, oh, maybe the new coach kept you, JB. Maybe they did. Maybe my auntie had balls. She'd be my uncle. I'm not going to, I'm not in the what if world. I live in what reality is. And the reality was I had an opportunity to touch those young men in a manner that these other guys could not do and help them get scholarships. And that is what I did. And I, I can sleep at night every night knowing that. So it's not going to, I don't sit up and drink at night and say, damn, I could have been a power five coach. No, it really don't mean nothing to me. Because if you don't have autonomy and affect the kids, it doesn't matter. If you're sitting there being a robot and doing exactly what the head coach tells you to do, which you should do under protocol, guess what? What if the head coach doesn't really have the investment of those kids and, and, and doesn't have the, the right frame of mind about the, being genuine, which Alan will tell you, this is what we see across college football right now. A bunch of fake cats leading these young men. And you see a bunch of kids in the portal. You see a bunch of fake coaches who are just genuine, lying to kids, selling them a car. You see it every day. And then you flip side that and you got a bunch of soft kids who can't take an ass ripping or get yelled at or, or they're not the starter. And then they enter the portal and you have this combination of badness. And this is what you get. You get bad football. You get watered down college football. So that's just is what it is. I just couldn't go be that fake guy just because it was a D1 job. So sorry, that's just what it is. I, I wasn't going to go do that. So that's just how it is. That's what I left. I'm not, uh, I don't go to sleep, like I said, at night wishing I took the job. No, I don't. I'm fine. I'm fine. Northern California in the house. I hope you guys are okay. I know you guys just had a 6.4 earthquake break. Uh, would I coach at ELAC? Somebody asked me. You do understand I was the old coordinator at ELAC, right? Yeah, many years ago. Just so you know. I was already at ELAC. Um, Bruce Helms, you're not very smart. You need to stop, dog. You need to shut up sometimes, Bruce. JUCOs do not live on transfers. See, you're another idiot who thinks just because you saw me on Netflix bring in 35 Division I transfers every year that all JUCO lives on transfers. No, they don't. And a Division I kid coming into JUCO is not a transfer, Bruce Helms. You do realize that, right? They're not a transfer when you come from Alabama to JUCO. Jesus. That's a good point, Coach Davis. You think Bruce Helms is Isaac Lords? <laughs> They're not 
a transfer. You know what a transfer is in JUCO? When you leave Independence and you go play at Garden City. That is a transfer. That means you transfer from one JUCO to another. I never took a transfer from any other JUCO. Go ahead and ask around. You can ask anyone you want to ask. I didn't take JUCO transfers. Division one to a JUCO is what we call a bounce back. Big difference. Big difference in a transfer. But Bruce Helms knows knower of all things. Uh, it's just unbelievable. Trey Paris, I just couldn't play for Coach JB. No, no shit. <laughs> hey, guess what? Players that play for me and make it out, homie, are in the league or went and got a degree, got a good job. They went to Vision One. Uh, they got to screw the prom queen. Guys that come out and say, I just couldn't coach with J. I couldn't play for JB. I would have been scrapping with JB. No, you wouldn't. Shut up. Like, you cats are so soft. If you would have came and tried it, guess what? Right now, you'd be like, damn, I'm accomplished. I played for Coach JB, and you know what? It wasn't that bad. He gets after us and everything, but damn, he loves us. Damn, he got us a D1 scholarship. Damn, he got me to the league. Damn, he taught me how to be a better man. Damn, he taught me how to treat women. Damn, he taught me how to be a good father. Damn, he taught me how to get a job. But instead, you're on TikTok, homie, talking about you couldn't have played for me. So you're soft, and now you have to live being soft the rest of your life. <laughs> that is what you have to understand. You're soft, and you have to do that, live that way. I don't. I don't have to live that way. See what I'm saying? I don't live that way. I live by saying, you know what? Hey, DJ, stop calling yourself that. Use your real name. And I'm like... What? Oh, my God, dude. TikTok is so... I didn't even cuss. TikTok bans me. TikTok is the fucking worst, dog. That shit was going crazy on TikTok. I had like 2,000 people in there live. Um, Hector, I had 2,000 people on TikTok live, and they banned me for saying soft. Oh, my God, dog. TikTok can eat a dick. I was really, really being nice on TikTok today, and they just banned me. So that just proves to you that I just cannot be on TikTok. I'm sorry. Cannot be on TikTok. Uh, it's unfucking believable um, Unbelievable, dog. Unbelievable. Um, look, somebody said, uh, Sean Waffle, you do know who Joe Hall played for, right? I'm just throwing that out there. You do know what high school Joe Hall played, played at too, right? I'm just throwing that out there. Um, hey, give me one second. All right, all right. Um, 
Yeah, the dude on TikTok. I couldn't have played for Coach David. Dog, all I'm doing is having a conversation. You see how soft we are in life? You see how soft we are in life? TikTok bans me for having a conversation with a kid, and I didn't even cuss him out yet. Yet. <laughs> Bruce Helms, we think you're Isaac Lords. We think you're Isaac Lords, Bruce Helms. What do you have to say for yourself? Hey, we got a... Uh, it's a great day to have a great day. T-shirts cracking right now on CoachABStore.com. Head on over there, Coach. 20% off all the way through the 1st of January. Hey, there's 400 people in here. Hit the like button, subscribe, become a member. Uh, you're right, Malcolm. I should have just cussed this bitch ass out. That's what's crazy to me. It's like, God damn, I was being nice. Um... Notre Dame quarterback Drew Pine, or Payne, I don't know his name, has entered the transfer portal. Shocker. Packer released Sammy Watkins yesterday before the Monday night football game. We're going to break that down. Texas running back B. John Robinson is entering the NFL draft. 2023 five-star quarterback Dante Moore flips from Oregon and going to UCLA. Chip Kelly finally got a fucking quarterback, huh? Why is it taking so long to get a splash recruit at UCLA? Like, you haven't had a splash recruit since Josh Rosen, Cade McNown, a Troy Aikman. <laughs> like, why is it taking so long to get a big-time quarterback? Apparently, this Moore kid is number 11 kid in the, in the, in the country, uh, recruiting-wise. They flip him from Oregon, probably because... The kids coming back to Oregon, and you know these kids want to play right away, and they want to start. So guess what? See, that has me skeptical, people. That has me wondering, people. I want to know. I want to break this down. I want to break this down. I don't know if I want to take a kid that didn't want to compete in Oregon. That's what I'm telling you. I'm trying to say, listen, I'm looking at this thing like this. Well, first of all, DTR was recruited as an athlete, not a quarterback. He played his senior year at Bishop Gorman at quarterback. He was played a receiver and running back and athlete the whole his whole career at Bishop Gorman. And he became a quarterback last minute. And he fit Chip Kelly's system. So he was a five-star athlete. I don't believe he was a five-star quarterback. I think they had him as an athlete on rivals and all that stuff. So you can check the facts. I don't know if I'm right on that or not. But if I am, what do I know? Um, I don't know, man. I'm just trying to say, if a cat don't want to compete at Oregon versus Bo Nix, who I don't believe is that good, I got to be cautious in the wind if I even want to take you and why you're decommitting the word that don't mean shit. Why are you decommitting and coming back to a place like UCLA? Why didn't you pick me first? Why didn't you pick me first? That is the real question. That is how I operate. That is how I recruit. Now, during the recruiting process, I'm going to try to out-recruit the other team, even if he's telling me, hey, coach, I'm right now, I'm going to go to Oregon. Well, I'm recruiting the shit out of you until signing day. So let me be clear what I'm telling you. 
But on signing day, if you sign with Oregon and I'm recruiting you and you sign, my relationship with you is over. That is the difference between me and these other cats. You chose elsewhere. You chose someone else. Our relationship is severed. I don't need to talk to you no more. I'm not helping you when you call me saying I got fucked. They lied to me. Blah, 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 blah. It does not matter. You didn't believe me from the jump. You chose them. We are done. Our relationship is severed. I fucking damn right sure ain't taking you out the portal. But see, this is real talk banter that these guys won't tell you. These cats are so weak and fucking lazy recruiters that they want to go back and grab a dude that shitted on them and chose to go somewhere else first. That don't set well with me, dog. I'm not taking you second time. Because guess what? You'll transfer a third time. See, that's what people don't understand. Why don't you understand and understand the real? Why can't you just take the real for what it is? Like, why can't you understand that if you chose someone else, I'm not taking you sloppy seconds, dog. Let me ask you guys something. How many of you lost a girl to someone else? Are you super quick to go try to marry that bitch after? <laughs> like, I'm gonna be honest. Are you fucking super quick to go marry the bitch? After she just got ran through for six years? It's two kids? <laughs> Bruce Helms don't listen, dog. I think Bruce Helms just is sitting here wanting to be blocked. <sighs> Alan, Bruce Helms said, why did Malik Henry, who I took back? Can you tell this dumb fuck? That Malik Henry didn't go to another school. I took him back to help him. He never went nowhere else but with me, you dumb fuck. Holy shit. Do you listen at all? Do you fucking listen to anything I say or you just want to say stupid shit to get your name in the newspaper? Stop trying to put your name in the newspaper, Bruce Helms. Nobody gives a fuck. Bruce Helms, he said he is Sarah's. They say you're Sarah's husband. Ah, uh, hey, Alan, they all think I'm an asshole, Alan. It don't matter. They think I'm bashing the Oregon kid, uh, the thing that, you know, you sent. No, I'm not bashing the Oregon kid. I just said it's nine years, dog. It's time to move on in life. It's time to go back to get that gig. You better have a few degrees by now, but it's time to go back and move on. I'm not bashing the kid's character. I don't know shit about the kid. If I don't know you, I'm not going to talk a shit about you. I'm going to talk shit about the situation. It's not bashing nobody. I'm not here to bash you. I'm here to tell you the truth. We don't like the truth no more, dog. We live in la-la land. We live in dreamland. We live in la-la land. We need to be whispered sweet nothings every day. Please, coach, tell me, tell me how good I can be. You should see the DMs I get from these kids. 
This is how bad we are, dog, in society. I'm, I'm so far off the script here. I don't even have a script. You know that. But I, I had a few things I want to talk about. But I'm off the script right now because I got to give you some real talk banter real fast uh, before Steve Kim jumps on and, and talks some boxing, which I think will be interesting. I've never done boxing. Uh, Alan, I'll answer that right now, uh, Deion Sanders' question. Let, let, me, let me break this down. We have this, this issue about telling people the truth now. Because we, we don't want our, our kids to be, their feelings hurt. We want to live in la-la land. So when the real world hits us in the face and we get fucking knocked out and we're fucking catatonic and sitting there like, oh, what happened? My coach told me I was the best thing since sliced bread. When these kids, my point is, these kids DM me and say, coach, please tell me I could go D1. That's a question I get. Or their parents DM me, coach. Please tell my kid he's a D1 player. So I watch two plays and I call him back and I say, your play, your son is horrible. And I just got to be honest. Your son is horrible. So I'm not going to tell you he's going to D1. The dad goes, no wonder you're a Juco coach. You don't know nothing. <laughs> that is where we are in society, dog. Then the kid goes, you ain't shit. You're just a Juco coach. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and I'm like, guess what, dog? Regardless of how you think about me and what you think, you are still not going to go D1. So go ahead and be mad at me all you want. You're still not a D1 player. You're 5'4". You weigh 180. You run a 4'940". You have a 6-inch vertical leap, and you bench 125. That's not even 45s on the side, dog. That's a 25 and a 10. <laughs> you understand this, right? You understand this. So it doesn't matter what you think about me. I'm telling you the truth, but you asked me to tell you a lie. And that is how we live today. Our humans in the world want you to tell them lies so they can feel good about themselves and go to sleep at night with false hope and realities when the truth is going to hit them in the face in six months to a year or two years, three years maybe, if you're 16, 17, still living in mama sucking on her titties, you'll move on. And then you're going to be like, damn, why did I go to work late and get fired? Oh, because Coach JB used to cut you out for being late, remember? Yeah, but I just thought he was an asshole. Nah, dog, actually, he, he creates boys and turns them into men and fuck we're all in the NFL or Division One. We got a degrees and shit. We're fucking Fortune 500 company guys because Coach Brown pushed us to go to class and sit in the front row and not talk back and call women bitches and do all that shit. It actually worked out, dog. Good luck to you, though. <laughs> Sorry. That's just what it is. That's just what it is. That's real life shit. But we don't want to talk about that. We can't talk about it. We can't talk about it. It's like, it's unbelievable. Um, I don't know, Alan, to answer your Deion Sanders question, man, I don't know how he's going to fare because I see a lot of kids go, wanting to go there because of Deion and what he did at Jackson State. I don't know. You know, the thing is, you got to have the best quarterback. The best quarterback supposedly just decommitted at Ohio State, goes to Nebraska with Matt Rule. I know Matt Rule has one of the kids' uncles or something on the staff. Uh, something like that. Um, 
But still, if you can't come in and talk about my son's a quarterback and then no one else is going to go there. First day, the quarterback on your roster goes into the portal. Uh, I don't believe Shadir Sanders is very good, Alan. I don't know what you think about him. Um, but, Alan, as you know as well as I do, I think Dion knows how to talk to those kids. He can get them to buy in, and he can get them to run through a wall. If he could do those things and they can get the best players, Alan, Dion's going to succeed. That's my personal opinion. I think Dion succeeds. I hope he does. I want to see a guy that knows how to talk to kids and get through to them and, and not lie to them and tell them the truth, which I hear Dion will do, at least, to the kids. I got a lot of guys on that staff that I know. If he could do those things, he can, and he hires good coordinators, which he's done. I think he's hired some pretty good coordinators. I think that they will do well. Now, if he gets ate up and they look through him like, oh, this guy's fake and phony. All he wants to do is barstool and TikTok videos and shit. Then they're going to say, okay. Because I'm going to be honest with you. Wearing a vest on the sideline with your gold chain and shit, I don't know if a big-time player is going to – parent is going to send their kid to Dion over Nick Saban who gets the kid to the NFL I I don't know dog I'm just gonna be honest with you is is Dion gonna be able to get yeah he got the one Travis Hunter kid to go to Jackson State but dog you got to do that with 50 kids not one kid you got to do that with 50 top notch number one recruiting classes can he get a number one recruiting class in Colorado, Allen? I don't know, dog. I don't know if he could do that. I don't know if he could do that. Um, so we'll see. We'll see. Um, we'll see what happens. I don't know. Navy hires Brian Newberry as head football coach. Uh the name alone fits the name alone fits uh hey where's bruce helms at hey bruce where you at isaac lords is in the house i need to see bruce helms typing at the same time as isaac lords isaac you got two quarterback you got two computers up very very curious my boy my boy coach davis found that out hey isaac lords Right here, Kosh. Kosh. <laughs> you know what I figured out? Isaac Lords isn't a great speller either, Bruce. You fuck up a lot of spelling, dog. Coach Davis is on top of this shit. I think we're doing investigative research on this thing. I think you guys are the same person. We might be on to something. We both know you have fake fucking faces. So we're going to see. Uh... Former Reds pitcher Tom Browning dies at 62, man. He once pitched a no-no, perfect game. I remember Tom Browning, man. Great, great pitcher. Uh, 62 years old. Mike Leith dies at 61 years old. Have you noticed a trend? You got the guy from Black Panther dies at 42 years old. You got DMX dies at 50 years old. There's a lot of young people. A lot of cats dying at a younger age in an era of science and technology that is supposed to prolong our lives are actually taking our lives at a quicker rate. Has anyone ever, have you guys thought about this? 
Have you thought about this? Have you broke this down? Why are we dying younger when we should be dying older, right? Shouldn't we have better shit now? Shouldn't we be better now? Like, I'm curious. I'm curious of what's happening with this. Uh, we're, I'm starting to see a trend. And it starts with the weed and Taco Bell. <laughs> uh, Damian Lillard passes Clyde Drexler as the all-time leading scorer in Portland. I don't really care because Damian Lillard is a one-man band. He can shoot the three. He's okay. He gets a little injury prone. I don't think he's very mentally tough. From being from Oakland, I don't I don't see a lot of rider and gangster in him. I just got to be honest. Uh, he left his team in the bubble and got on the flight and left. I don't have any respect for the dude. He's right above Kyrie Irving to me. I don't think the guy's fucking what I don't understand. If you think he's on the same level as Clyde Drexler, you're smoking fucking crack rock. And Clyde Drexler took his team to the finals, at least. This guy hasn't done shit. He gets fucking waxed in the playoffs. Damian Lillard is a fucking another fucking guy that all you fucking fans think of when you see, oh, damn time. He's legit. What is the fuck has he done? What has Damian Lillard fucking done? Get hurt? Not finish with his team? Throw his guys under the bus? You know what he has done, which I do respect? He stayed in Portland. I give credit where credit is due. He stayed in Portland. Period. I love it. Kobe stayed with LA. Bird stayed with Magic stayed. Like, all the greats stayed. And guess what? If you're going to stay, stay and try to win a, chi a chip in your city and the team that drafted you. Allen Iverson did it. Carl Malone, for the most part, did it. John Stockton, Magic, Kareem. Most of the greats, Dr. J. A lot of these guys, Barkley, for the most part, until he got older. Most of these guys stay with one team. That's what it was. That's what it used to be. Then you got the bitch-made KDs, Kyries, James Hardens, CP2s. All these soft fucks who can't stay with one team because they can't win. They can't win. I'm curious if Luka stays in Dallas. I'm curious if Luka stays, if Embiid stays, if Joker stays. See, I could see the Joker staying in Denver because of the cultural differences in between him and what we're raised like. I think he stays in Denver. He's going to be loyal. He's going to stay at Denver. And I don't think he'll ever win. But... At least he'll stay in Denver, and we'll see if they can surround him with some players. But I just got to be honest. Besides Greek freak Giannis, who's not really a true center by any stretch of the imagination, I got to ask you, what center-based team is winning in the NBA? They're not. There's no team wrote going through the center anymore. Even when the Lakers won in the bubble, it wasn't AD wasn't a true center. He was shooting threes. Philly hasn't beat. They haven't done shit. Joker is in Denver. They haven't done shit. Uh, Utah had fucking what's his name? Who's now? Who's now in uh, in in, uh, in Minnesota? Hasn't done shit. 
Minnesota has towns, haven't done shit. What true center in the NBA is the teams revolving around and going around to win a championship? They're not winning no more. Centers are irrelevant. It's all gun and run and fun. Golden State, shoot threes, run, and get out on the break in the perimeter. There is no... There is no more running through the center. So, Bruce Helm says DeAndre Ayton. He's a fucking forward. Shut up. They went through DeAndre Ayton to get to the titles that year. And then they got fucking waxed. Shut the fuck up. They didn't go through DeAndre Ayton. His ass was even fucking hurt most of the playoffs. Soft ass. Another soft fuck. Get the fuck out of here, Bruce Holmes. You're so fucking full of shit. Hey, Wido, what NBA team goes through the center and wins a title? And let me ask you something, Wido. You know basketball? What NBA team is going through the center in the future to win a title? Giannis is not in the low box, in the block, getting the ball entered to him. And going from there. He's on the perimeter, dog. There's no more centers. There is no more centers where the ball is fed into Shaq and Elijah Ewing, and we're dropping the ball down. The game has changed. I've accepted this soft game. It is what it is. I don't watch it anymore, but I'm telling you, this is what the game is, right? So having said that, Having said that, who's going to win? Embiid? Embiid can't win. Embiid ain't going to win. Embiid don't have enough shooting. Harden is too much of a selfish dribbler. They're not going to win. I would get rid of Harden. I would keep uh, Maxi. Get rid of Harden. Get you a fucking cup. Get you another forward slash wingman. Like, uh, you know, I think that should, they should try to go back and get what's his name with Portland uh, that used to be with Detroit. Uh, he's at Portland now. I think he fits in with Embiid really well. And uh, I think that the, the, the Sixers need a couple wingmen. Harris is overrated, dog. Tobias Harris is a bust. He was better with the Clippers. Because he didn't have to be like a second scorer. Now he's the third scorer. And he can't find his own shot anymore. Tobias Harris is shitty. I'll be honest with you. He's a bust. And he, he, Tobias won't show up when it counts. But you know who does show up when it counts? My man in Milwaukee. Who led them to a title. Contrary to belief. It wasn't Giannis. It was my boy with the fucked up teeth. What's his name? I miss. Um, uh, fuck, I forgot his name. You know who I'm talking about, though. Has the worst teeth in NBA history. His teeth, motherfucker, look like Fraggle Rock. I don't know. <laughs> What's his name? Who, who's my man for uh, Milwaukee? The the, the 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 second best player in Milwaukee. Uh, not Drew Holiday. Chris Middleton. 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 Who can sharpen the fucking butcher knives in my fucking drawer with his teeth, by the way. God damn, that motherfucker's teeth. 
You, you know what blows my mind? I got to be honest. It blows my mind that we have millions of dollars now. All right? We got millions of dollars, and we can't fix our fucking teeth? Like, you got to be shitting me. I'm not here to clown the dude or nothing. I love Chris Middleton. I think he's the fucking guy that has the most nuts on the team, by the way. But when you got teeth like that, you should have big balls, motherfucker. Because goddamn, ain't no pussy coming your way. Ain't no pussy running at you to give you a tongue kiss, motherfucker. You will cut that bitch's tongue smooth off in just a regular ass peck on the cheek. <laughs> goddamn, that motherfucker comes with a regular kiss. That motherfucker bites your whole fucking face off. His fucking teeth are fucked up. Like, dog, I don't understand how you have that bad of teeth. Oh, man. It's unbelievable, dog. Unbelievable. Uh, yeah, his teeth are fucked, dog. His teeth are fucked. Seriously, Joey, I put my fucking knives under that motherfucker's teeth. Just open wide, motherfucker. And just zzz, 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 zzz. That my, my, my fucking knives will cut through por- pulled pork in a fucking New York minute if that motherfucker's, that motherfucker's uh, teeth get a hold of my fucking butcher knives. God damn. I, I don't understand. How? I look around, though. Have you seen a lot of these motherfuckers? Just look around the leagues, the baseball, football, basketball. Some of these motherfuckers are just badly managed when it comes to hygienic fucking transformations. All right, listen, we were we were dealt with the cards we dealt with. Okay, we get dealt with, we get the cards we're dealt with. So you got fucked up teeth, cool. Your parents couldn't afford you to get braces, cool. You couldn't get this and that, cool. But you made it, homie. You made it, dog. You've been in the league for quite some time. You have made it. Go fix your teeth. Go put that fucking block in your mouth. Ah. Say, Doc, shoot me up. All right. Ah, shoot me. Boom. I'm out. And guess what? Take a fucking sledgehammer. Ah, and just fucking bow and bust them motherfuckers out. Bust this motherfucker's teeth out and just start over fresh. You got the money now. Get the fucking teeth knocked out of your mouth and go get you real teeth. Fake teeth capped. Go get some teeth capped. I don't know. I don't know how we got on this topic, dog. I'm gonna be honest. I don't know how to fix his teeth. That should be the poll question. That should be the new poll question. Um, Trey Paris, I got you. I, I Hey, I was just having a great conversation with you, Trey Paris. Uh, he said, Trey Paris was the kid on TikTok who I was talking to. I didn't go after Trey Paris, but TikTok banned me. Because I, I said you couldn't play for me because I didn't know his situation. So Trey just told us he wasn't coming at me. He said some dude said on there, I didn't play for you. And I said I couldn't. So I said I couldn't have played for JB because I played baseball. So Trey, Trey Paris, that is what you call 
apologize. I'll apologize because I didn't know the situation. Uh, but tomorrow I wouldn't apologize. But I'm going to apologize right now because you came in as a man and told me. That is how you do it, dog. I appreciate you. Clap it up. Uh, I appreciate you coming on in from TikTok. TikTok has a bunch of bitch-made cats on there, by the way. That's why, I, at least on this platform, I'm a little safer. On on TikTok, I get cut right out. You know what I'm saying? Uh, but uh, you should become a member, dog. Uh, appreciate you coming in, Trey. I uh, wish you could have played for me. I would have loved a motherfucker ass. Um, but I appreciate you, man. Uh, take some nuts to come in here. Hey, man, we don't have enough of you, Trey Paris. We don't have enough of you. We have a lot of Bruce Helms out there in the world who can't fucking admit it or come tell you the real. Hey, coach, it was a miscommunication, dog. My bad. You know what I'll do? 99% of the time, I'm going to say, hey, you know what? My bad. Hey, dog, I appreciate you telling me the truth. So when I have a fucking 2,000 people live on TikTok and the thing is going this fast, I don't know the conversation and situation. All I know is I saw him say I couldn't play for Coach Brown. And so me, you know, me talking shit at 6 in the morning with coffee, no shit you couldn't play for me. But that wasn't the case, so I apologize to Trey. Uh, see, I got about a 30-minute window, Trey, for apologizing. That's just kind of my get down. That's kind of my what I live by. If it's after, like, 31 minutes, I'm not apologizing. It is what it is. I'm just, that's who I am, not who I say I am. I'm not the Kirk Herbstreets of the world. I don't, I don't say shit and then come out and apologize six days later. Uh, Bruce Helms, he's going to enter the transfer portal, head on over to TikTok. Uh, I would love to trade Trey. Trey, become a member, $1.99 a month. Uh, you can come in and call in and chop it up. You can do a lot of things. Plus, after the holidays, we're going to get back to doing uh, raffles and giveaways. Plus, we're going to have after hours. People can call in, chop it up. Uh, we're going to do all those things. After the first, though, because I'm building a studio in my garage today. Right, This show is going to end in about an hour because I got the, the floor guy coming in, and we're going to put the floor down in my garage. Some hardwood, nice cigar bar filling, dark mahogany wood. It's going to look fire. And then I'm going to put some stone in there and we're going to build a bar over the stone. So the wood's going to come up to a stone look like a cigar bar. And then we're going to have the bar. And then we're going to put a TV behind the bar with some stone on the wall, something on the wall. Then I'm going to paint the garage today, paint it like a burnt orangish, reddish, brownish, which you see in a lot of cigar vibe looks. And then we're going to put a border around the wall and then I'm going to stone the rest of the wall or I'm going to put some wood on it. I don't know yet. We're thinking about what we're going to do. And then I'm going to get some leather couches, leather chairs, a poker table, a uh, bunch of TVs, slap them up once we get this thing figured out and let my uh, feng shui kick in. You know what I mean? That's what I'm doing. Um, uh, Oh yeah, I'm doing a I'm doing a before and I'm doing an after. You know what I'm saying? I'm doing a before and I'm doing an after. So that's what I'm doing. Uh, yes, sir. I got to do it. I got to do it. Uh, no doubt. No doubt. Um, no doubt. I hear you. I hear you on that. We got to do that. I uh, got to get guys for every Bruce Helms dog. Oh, yeah. The dogs are allowed anywhere. The dogs are allowed anywhere. Yeah, I'm good. The mommy. Yeah, I'm good. There's a f 
fucking bear shit in the woods and wipe his ass with a rabbit? Fuck, yeah. I'm good at poker. What do you mean? I don't lose at fucking poker. Hey, Kyle Georgie, uh, maybe Google it or YouTube it or something. There's 500 members right now. So um, I don't know. They've all figured it out. A crazy, crazy shit, Georgie. Crazy shit. 500 people figured out how to be a member. So I, I, I'm hope I'm rooting for you to figure it out because if 500 people figured it out, 500 people found Gilligan's Island, dog, and they pulled Gilligan off. You gotta be able to do it. You gotta be able to do it. Steve Kim's gonna join us here in a few minutes. We're gonna break down some boxing. We're gonna get after last night's football game as well. Uh, but I'm still talking some more shit real quick. Ohio State freshman offensive lineman Avery Henry has announced he's been diagnosed with bone cancer. Oh, shit, dog. Bone cancer. Bone cancer. Bone cancer is a bad thing. Uh, I'm not saying it's weed, but I would love to do an investigation and ask Avery Henry, has he smoked weed before? And does he smoke it at all time high? I'm curious. I want to I want to turn into Dr. Brown, man. I want to do some research on this shit. I don't understand how 19 and 20-year-olds are getting these things that we've never seen before. Bone cancer, bone density, fucking cancer at all-time high in these young kids. Is it Taco Bell? Is it the weed? But what do I know? What do I know, Hector? Fuck it, dog. I'm not saying it is. But I'm not saying it ain't. Why can't we look into it? Why can't we dive deep? Why can't we do data? Why can't we do some research on the shit? I don't know, man. Uh, Colts running back Jonathan Taylor is likely out for the rest of the season with a high ankle sprain. High ankle sprain. High ankle sprain. Is that not another stress fracture bone density soft tissue issue is it is it what is your guys take i'm just asking dog be honest do you think jonathan taylor smokes big weed shut uh, please what is the question what is the answer coach davis bruce jot coach rubley brian do you guys think um, do you guys think Jonathan Taylor smokes big weed? I'm just curious. I'm just asking. TJB said, not a chance he smokes. <laughs> that motherfucker said, not a chance he smokes. Why? What makes? Tell me why you guys don't think he smokes. I'm curious, dog. Tell me why you don't think he smokes. I'm curious on how you guys come up with your shit. I'm, I'm just, I'm serious. See, I come up with my shit based on someone telling me something, or I got an insight, or I got a coach that's coaching in the league, or on the team, or, or something. And I'll never give away sources, but I will tell you the truth. I'm just curious on what you think about 
because you come out con- convicted that he don't smoke. Like, hell no, nah, he don't smoke. How do you know? You work at fucking Walmart. <laughs> oh, man, my main man Steve Kim's in the house. Let's bring him in and talk, talk some fucking boxing. I can't wait to talk about I'm going to prove to Steve Kim that I know more shit about boxing than anyone <laughs> Uh, I don't really know shit about boxing, Steve. I know I know sports in general, Steve. Um, hey, Damian Lillard passed Clyde Drexler as the all-time leading scorer in Portland. I said yippee fucking yay. He can't hold Clyde Drexler's nutsack, in my opinion. And I think I think he is the he's one of the most overrated players in the last ten years. Ooh. and this is why, Steve. Here's wow. my take. this is my take on Steve on on Damian Lillard. I give credit where credit's due. And the credit to him is this. He has stayed with one franchise. He's done what Kobe's done. Larry Bird, Magic Johnson, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Kim Olajuwon for the most part, Charles Barkley when he was young, Allen Iverson, uh, Steph. These guys that have have, have proven greatness over longevity, being with one team, I have to respect it. Now, I don't like the guy. I I don't know him, so I'm not going to say I don't like him. I don't. I don't respect his game. I don't respect his character. I respect the fact that he stayed with one team. He left his team in the bubble high and dry over a fucking sprained knee. He's on a private jet back, going back to, to Portland. Um, and his team's still in the bubble with another game or two to play. I just lost all respect. I, I, I think you should finish with your team what you started. It just is a bad look, in my opinion. I lost respect for him that day. But... What has he done? Shoot a few three game winners? Like, what the fuck has he done? Clyde Drexler at least took his team to the finals. Um, what has he done? Hmm. Here's the thing about Lillard. Very talented player. Perennial all-star. Has hit some big shots. But, again, in, in this era of basketball, stats are watered down and diluted. And it, it's different. Scoring... 25 points in the era that Clyde Drexler did in terms of the pace and tempo and how physical it was. Uh, It's different. If Clyde Drexler played in today's game where everything was so spread out, he'd score 30 points a game, Um, especially in terms of him finishing at the hoop. Clyde, you can make an argument, was the best two guard in the league for a decade who was not named Michael Jordan. And he's certainly among the top six or seven two guards of all time. You got Kobe, Jerry West, and then then Clyde Drexler starts to enter that discussion. And Clyde did win a title, 1995, with the Houston Rockets, played a vital role and kind of, you know, prime ended. guy, right, on his way out. Yeah, I mean, he helped Hakeem Olajuwon. If you were to say, who's the greatest trailblazer of all time? Bill Walton was simply injured too much. Dame Lillard makes the Mount Rushmore probably, but I would say Clyde the Glide Drexler is the greatest Portland trailblazer of all time. Bottom line. I agree. I have to agree with that. Uh, Bill Walton was unbelievable for the short time he played. I I don't know if there's – I don't know if there would have been a bit – man, I've heard from a few people that – Back in that era, uh, being around UCLA for my whole life growing up, and they're like, if he he's not injured, he could be 
is good. It's crazy to say this without taking all these heat. Oh, it's a hot take. But you can argue he was right there with Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Yes. People don't realize how good Bill Walton was. From a technical and fundamental standpoint of how to play the five position in that era, he was an absolute textbook. But again, he won that title, I believe, in 77. Uh, The Blazers, led by Jack Ramsey, beat the 76ers. And from that point on, he just had one injury after another. And his greatest last season was as part of the 85-86 great Celtic team. Came off the bench, and his basketball IQ was off the charts. See, everyone thinks of uh, Bill Walton right now, because I grew up the last 20 years as this quirky, hippie announcer that says anything. You know, maybe that was true back then, but his basketball ability. I mean, he went, I think there was a championship game at UCLA, and I think they lost two games in 85 or 86 games in his three years there as a varsity player. I think his last game or one of the championship games in the final four, he literally did not miss a shot. I think he went 12 for 12, hit every free throw. I mean, he played the perfect game. And you're right. He's one of those guys, if, if he had a better gene pool, his body was a little bit more durable. I could argue that it wasn't genes. His gene pool was unbelievable. I think he smoked too much weed. Smoked a lot. Yes, Whoa, he did. Steve, what uh-huh. up? And I think he was a vegetarian. He didn't eat red meat or something. So then yeah. again, fucking that, Grateful Dead every day, smoking yeah. weed. Uh, yeah. Eating hey, Ben and Jerry's. I don't know. Hey, Steve, uh, five star quarterback Dante Moore flips from Oregon, goes to UCLA. Finally, Chip Kelly gets a guy that's fucking somewhat credible in the recruiting trail. I, I went on a rant earlier about it um, before TikTok banned me this morning. Um, I, I, I want to say, I don't know if I'm so in love with the kid trans coming to me after he committed somewhere else, because it tells me a lot about you that you don't want to compete because Bo Nix announced he's coming back. I don't know if I want you anymore. And that is how I recruited. And everyone nowadays is like, Oh, you're crazy. Not really. I don't like Steve, do you go back and marry the girl that chose your friend over you and has six kids seven years later? And do you go back and try to marry her? <laughs> no. I, I don't want damaged goods and fuck, I definitely don't want damaged vagina. Do you? Uh if you yeah, look, if you're coming with six or seven pieces of baggage, my God, that 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 that's like going into a Fukushima or Chernobyl. Good grief. Talk about a toxic wasteland. The, the thing is, here's the difference. Kids flip all the time. That's part of it. And um, if they flip before the signing period, Steve, is fine with me because I'm still recruiting you. So right. we're, we're debating. We're fighting over this school. I get that. I've done that a lot. But, but once but, you sign, I'm done. We're, we've cut off all ties. But I think the quarterback position is different because most teams only go with a quarterback or two and generally, because I've heard these stories, and you can tell me if I'm wrong, a coach will say, kid, you're my quarterback. So they generally try to wrap up that quarterback early. And then that quarterback in modern-day college football, they are counted on to be the leader of that class and to start group chains and group texts. Like, hey, guys, let's start recruiting. Because the quarterback says, wait a minute, I need some help. I want to play with good players. And for Dante Moore, this is interesting because he may not be ready to play as a true freshman. To me, it's a perfect situation for him at Oregon. You let Bo Nix have his last year. Then you take over as a second-year player. You might be able to redshirt, start working on your degree, 
acclimate yourself to Eugene, Oregon, become a student athlete, and then hit that ground running in the second year. This is big for UCLA, though. Chip Kelly, it's interesting. For as much as he's won in the past, the book on him is he's a very strange recruiter. Doesn't get a lot of four or five stars, fits to his system. Not exactly a Pete Carroll or Mario Cristobal-like work ethic, but that's what I've heard. But this year, he's actually doing pretty well, according to my friends uh, that really cover and, and follow UCLA Bruins football. But that quarterback is different, though. If a quarterback flips his commitment even before signing day, I look at him like, hmm, how committed are you to this program or any program? It's, I'm just telling you, quarterback is a different dynamic because generally, coach, they only recruit one guy, and you are counted on, again, to be the spearhead of that particular class. But again, there's no denying it. Big, big recruiting victory for Chip Kelly. Yeah. Um, it is also, you're right, it's different, but it's also detrimental if you get the wrong one. Yeah. And there's a lot of five stars that are the wrong one. And stars will get coaches fired. I tell people that all the time. Uh, Jonathan Taylor likely out for the season. Another bone incident. Do you think Jonathan Taylor smokes weed? He gives me the vibe that he doesn't. This guy's actually a very educated guy. I've seen features on him. He's a pretty smart guy. But, again, I don't know. Here's the issue, though. Um, Wisconsin running backs – when you draft them, given as many carries as they get in Madison and the style of play. Ron Dane. Yes, Ron Dane, Melvin Gordon, who actually had a decent career. They've had so many money ball. They're like getting that car off the, the lot that already has 38,000 miles on it. And that's, I mean, and that's the number one thing, Steve. NFL running backs are the shortest lived position. They put a lot. That's why if you're a high school running back that's a blue chipper, I don't really want a coach to say, hey, kid, right off the bat, we're going to give you 35 carries. I'm like, you know what? I'm good. Split carries with me and teach me how to pass pro and catch the ball out of the backfield so I can make some money at the next level. Because if I'm any good, you're only going to have me for three years. So that's the rule. Don't ever redshirt a really good running back. And and if you're any good, get out there in three years. Because the chances of you actually getting that second lucrative contract like most other positions uh, the odds are a little bit down on that. But um, as it relates to Jonathan Taylor, big, thick guy, a lot of speed. But again, he's an inside runner. I don't. I wouldn't know if I put the marijuana tag on him. I, I haven't heard anything about that. But again, Wisconsin running backs coming off that lot, they already have about 38,000 miles on them. Yeah, uh, I'm just, I, I agree. Um, let me ask you this. Uh, Baker... We said yesterday, I said it right here. I said Baker would probably be Baker again. Last <laughs> night to me, he's back to Baker. Uh, Baker is now back to being Baker. Uh, he's off his high horse. Uh, Rodgers looked bad. Uh, me and you, we were talking back and forth during the game. He looked bad. The Rams are even worse in an even worse league. What do you see in the NFL? If I said, Steve, give me one word answer. What do you see in the NFL right now? Dilution. Which is a fancy way of saying watered down. As it relates to Rodgers, he looks okay. He had that one terrible interception. I mean, Lazard is open. And someone tried to tell me Lazard stopped on his route. He didn't stop on his route. The ball was overthrown. Look, Aaron Rodgers is allowed to be criticized. I, I will say this about the Packers. 
if they sneak into the playoffs, I would hate to have to play them. There are two young receivers, uh, Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs. Finally, Aaron Rodgers has his young wideouts that he's wanted and needed for years. Watson is a long, striding, big play touchdown machine. Dobbs reminds me of a lot of Greg Jennings. And just looking at the body language of, of, of Rodgers and some of his facial expressions, I think he's starting to see it come together. They have a pretty good one-two punch at running back. Um, still got to get healthy on the O-line, and they have a serviceable tight end in Tunyon. If they ever can get it together, they're dangerous. But here's the issue with Rodgers, Coach, moving forward. Um, obviously, there is some erosion, which is natural at that age. But in this offseason, if he decides to run it back with the Packers, there's one thing he has to do, and he's not good at it, and this is one of his marks against them. And I'm a big Rodgers fan. You got to get the numbers of all your young receivers, especially Watson and, and Dobbs, and say, listen, I'm going to mentor you guys. We're going to throw in the offseason. When I go out there to the Himalayas to smoke whatever or whatever, take whatever uh, psychedelics in the Grand Canyon, as I do my five-day fast with my new hippie girlfriend, you're coming along with me. I am finally going to be a mentor. I'm going to be that older brother figure I've never been. But you know what? I can't just leave this career with one Super Bowl with the Green Bay Packers. He's got to be that guy. He's never been that guy, Coach. But he's got some stuff to work with. This is on him now to nurture this going forward. Nah, yeah. I just don't know. I don't know if he wants to stay there anymore. That's you know, with the like, money he's getting paid, though, what choice do both sides have? Isn't he getting paid like $50 million? Yeah, but I mean, what, well, how can these other guys demand trades when they're under contract and he can't? Like, I'm just waiting for the big-name guy like Aaron Rodgers to demand a trade like James Harden did and how all these other guys do. Because their name overweighs the management in these situations, and it's a player-driven league. And I don't know. I just it, – it's, it's going to be interesting, to say the least. Uh, Baker looked bad. The Rams are shit horrible. Uh, the Packers look bad, too. Um, but it is what it is. Here we go. Jalen Hurts, box checked. Lamar Jackson, box checked. Justin Fields, box checked. Trey Lance, box checked. Carson Wentz, box checked. Mark Mar Mariota, box checked. What do the box checked mean? Injured. Uh, they all are unsustainable. They all got injured. They're hurt. Jalen Hurts has a bad last name, man. Uh, Jalen is Hurts. He's has Jaylen a bad last name. Jalen Josh Allen's next, Steve, if he's not careful. Uh, look. Every, look, I'm just telling you, you know what Josh Allen is? He's evil Knievel. Yeah. He's a daredevil. Yeah. And one of these days, he's going to have a Snake Canyon River run or whatever. It's going to be a disaster. I mean, he's leaping over tall buildings and trying to be Mike White, uh, White Michael Vick and trying to do the swim move with the football. And I'm like, Josh, I get it. You could probably play tight end. Stop this imitation of Cam Newton. You're actually a much better thrower. You're already banged up. And as it relates to Jalen Hurts, this is the problem. And I like Jalen Hurts a lot. Strong character, great leader. He's everything you want in a quarterback, except he dives headfirst into too many piles. And they they really rely on him on short yardage and goal line situations. He becomes a, what they call it, the 11th guy. Which is he fine. Becomes, he becomes a twelfth man. He becomes. Yeah. He becomes Josh Allen though at, at at six foot. Right, and then you saw what happened. He took a shot where he ran like a running back. When you run like a running back, 
you have the ramifications of a running back. Now, can a lot of running backs, do they have short shoulders? I'm sure they do. You know what the difference is, coach? They're not supposed to throw the ball 25 times either. I know. And, and, and Miles Sanders gets 10 carries. He gets 17 at quarterback. And I'm like, what are we What are we doing? This is the NFL. I think they need you later on because Minshew ain't the fucking guy. I'm sorry. I like him and all that mustache and porno and all that. He's not the guy, though. Minshew uh, is your quintessential backup. He's good for a week or two. But that's what most backups are. Hey, stop like Justin Fields looked like Walter Payton once again. I didn't get to watch him, but I know you told me he had a hell of a run. He looked like Walter Payton again. I'm like, hey, he's Walter Payton is what he is. Uh, uh, I don't know. You know, they lose again. I don't know. understand how people continue to come in my DM. Justin Fields is the guy, coach. He is the guy at fucking running back. I just don't understand how you don't see that. If you're the Chicago Bears, when you head into this offseason – if you're serious about Justin Fields being the quarterback one of the future, your whole draft board and your whole free agent list has to be about how do we protect Justin Fields. That Let me just say, I was watching a lot of that game where you were bar- fixing the barbecue or getting that ready. He took so many hits in the pocket. Now, look, the Eagles have a really good front. Right, they do that to a lot. But Justin looks very jittery back there, which is one of the reasons why he takes off so fast and so quickly. Also got to get them some weapons. I don't think they have a true number one. They have some serviceable running backs. Cole Komet's a pretty good tight end. But that's the thing. They got to get them help up front and some support outside, or this just is not going to work. And, again, we use that word again, sustainability. Yep. Can't be sustained. Just look at the guys that are hurt, man. It is what it is. Um, I don't know. I I just can't fathom this thing. Um, Let me ask you this. Um. by the way, I'm going to get a shirt made. It's going to say, let me ask you this on it. <laughs> what do you think about this? I want to get your take on the NFL Coach of the Year right now. Um, let's see if I can make it bigger for us. Uh, that'll help. Um, oh, I know who my guy is. All right, so do you like this list, first of all? What do you think about this list? I mean, it look... I- you know me, Motor City Dan Campbell should be number one. The job, look, the Eagles are a great roster, coach. They are a loaded roster. And, and look, they're 13 and one. And look, Sirianni should be given credit. He is the jockey of that thoroughbred. But Detroit, look, Detroit's been bad for a long time. They're perennially bad, right? The last time they won a playoff game, I think, was in 1991 with Wayne Fonts and Barry Sanders, and Eric Kramer, and Herman Moore. And when they were 1-6, and six, it looked like, ah, same old Detroit. Coach, they're the hottest team in football. And they're coming along. Jared Goff could be the, I don't know if you want to call him the comeback player of the year because of different variations of what the definition is. The defense has steadied itself, and there's an electricity to that Detroit team. I think the city's picking up on it. I think they're one of the league's best stories. Sirianni has the best team in football. If he wins it, no complaints. But in terms of bringing a team along that wasn't expected to do much, you got to go with Motor City Dan. Let me ask you this. Where in the fuck is Pete Carroll? That's a good question. Let me ask you another question before we dive into my takes. Not only where is Pete Carroll, 
where is Zach Taylor? Hmm. Because I'm very confused here. The well, they made the Super Bowl, though, Coach. They made the Super Bowl last year. Do people understand how hard it is to come back after a Super Bowl, though, and be prepared enough to put your team in another number one seed position in the AFC? Uh, AFC? That's where the Bengals are headed right now. So let's go to Pete Carroll first. You know what Pete Carroll should win? Executive of the year. Because he does both. That trade for Russell Wilson is the great train robbery. And look, no matter if they make the playoffs or sneak into that last wild card, I don't know. But the future is so bright. And they have the Broncos' number one pick, which looks like that's trending to be top five. And they, they could go so many different directions on the draft board. And Pete Carroll's last draft was a winner. Going all the way down, they found one player after another. Ty Woolen, that guy's going to be a superstar at cornerback. Me too. Yes. So I look at that, and, and then look, they're still winning some games. They've exceeded expectations. As for Zach Taylor, this is what the Coach of the Year award generally is in pro sports. It's never about the elite guys with the elite teams winning it. Or think about it, I think Pat Riley only won it once, right? It's generally about what team exceeds expectation. So if you're expected to coach a three to five win team and you take them to eight or nine victories, you're right in contention. But if you're already expected to be a playoff team and win 10 to 12 games and you win 13, 14, you'll get a pat on the back. <laughs> He'll never get the plaque though. So it's really about exceeding expect, even though you're right. Sometimes the best job of coaching is with the elite teams. I I just read Jimmy Johnson's book, Swagger. He said the most difficult year of coaching he ever did was the second Super Bowl in 93. And he had this one, I think you can appreciate this coach. He said, I had to become a human being I hated. I was more mean, less tolerant. I was more rude. I looked at myself and I said, geez, Jimmy, you're really a terrible human being. But then he said, as soon as he won it, and I'm elated by it. Because he understood that there was a price. And that's why Jimmy really quit in 94. It wasn't just Jerry Jones. Even Jimmy, because I've heard interviews, he said, you know what? After 93, I said, I'm sick of being the bad guy. I am so sick of being the heavy all the time. It even weighed on me. And Jimmy loved it. I actually knew someone that worked in the Dallas uh, football facility, okay, a guy that knew everything. He said there were days, if it was Hurricane Jimmy season, which meant he was in a bad mood, unless you were Troy Aikman, basically, when he came through that hall, Coach, people dove into their offices like it was a hurricane shelter. Like, they were like, oh, my God, Jimmy's coming. Don't, don't, don't even say hi to him. Don't make, unless it was Troy. And even Troy knew when to pick it. So sometimes you're right. It says you might think having the best team, is the easiest job. But Nick Saban will tell you, oh, yeah, try to fight complacency and ward off the rat poison. So it's, it's tough. It's like, what is your definition of great coaching? Because there, there are different levels to it. Hey, I used to have staff meeting. I had a staff meeting one day because everyone, because I had a couple, I hired a few buddies of mine that I, I've known my whole life. And then they they came to me like, hey, man, you know, you're grinding these cats to death. <laughs> and, you know, they can't handle you, dog, I don't think. And... I think they told me that to say that I was even being an asshole to them. Yeah. 
I'll have a staff meeting one day and I go, listen, I have become what I despise, but I want you to understand what I despise is necessary. Yes. And it, that's just what it was, man. And, and to this day, I have a coaching buddy of mine tells me, he goes like, that was a hell of a speech that day, man, that you gave us because you're right. I mean, unless you sit in this chair, Steve, yeah, they will never understand. They will never understand. Coach, so, you, I don't know know. Loved, you know who loved Jimmy the most? It was funny. It was, it's not Michael Irvin or any of his former Hurricanes on the, the Dallas team. It was Troy Aikman because Troy's talked about this and Jimmy wrote about it in his book. They had a deal because uh, they were very close, at, at, especially the last couple of years. Uh, as they're looking at fish tanks, they'd spend time at each other's house drinking some Heineken. And they basically had this arrangement where Jimmy would be the bad guy. I mean, he would just jump on guys, but Troy would always be the good cop. And Troy would be, hey, come on, man. Hey, young guy. Hey, keep, don't worry about fuck Jimmy. I got oh, yeah. you. You're going to. And so everyone loved Troy. And Troy said as soon as Barry Switzer came in, and then he had to be the bad guy, and Troy said it sucked the life out of football because now I had to be the disciplinarian. I mean, there's this one story that's famous, and I, I think I've spoken to James Washington about this. At one time at Phil Trainees, our guy's spot. I, I've seen James there a few times. 1992, Dallas goes to RFK Stadium, and they absolutely blow a game late against the Redskins on national TV. Troy made one of his few bad throws I ever saw. I tried to go – Cross field near the end zone. Ball got picked off. Changed the game. Could, I couldn't believe they lost. Jimmy is so pissed off. He's already getting drunk on Heineken's with ice. That was his drink. And he's just like, and no one wants to talk to him, right? So about an hour into the flight, they're going back to Dallas. The stewardesses start bringing out the food. And Jimmy goes, what are you doing? What are you doing? Well, they're going to, ah, no food. They don't deserve to eat. The stewardesses had to put the food back in. And these guys play a football game. And they're starving their asses off. So then Jimmy later hears Charles Haley and Michael Irvin and some other guys in the back talking and kind of laughing. Jimmy gets up and just chews their asses out and says, what is so funny? There's nothing funny here. We lost. So in other words, keeping that culture in itself is hard coaching and it's a difficult job, coach. Steve, we argue uh, quite a bit uh, over barbecue. Um, oh, hell yeah, we did. You don't like my takes on Emmett Smith. Oh, you uh, ought to be banned. You ought to be I, banned for those. I don't think Emmett Smith's a top 10 running back. Oh, ever. my God. Where's McChesney? What? You, oh. uh, he, he said he's stuck in a snowstorm. Um, oh, he's going to fall in. He, I don't believe he's a top 10 back of all time. You do. Um, I think that a lot of guys could have did what he did in Dallas uh, with that old line, which is the best old line in football history. I rattled off 10 guys in front of you as I was sipping on tequila without tequila, even thinking. I rattled off 10 guys, and you didn't argue at all. So let's tell the public. We got no. 500 people in here. Tell us who your top five running backs are. Well, okay, let me just make the why case for Emmett. Just, just tell me, why is Emmett in your top 10? Because of his ability. He's a big game runner, and he gave me the intangibles. And as Bill Belichick said during the top 100 players countdown, and Bill Belichick was the studio host. I think it was with uh, Chris Collinsworth and Rich Eisen. Emmett actually came in, and Belichick said something that's really interesting. He said, Emmett, your ability to consistently stay ahead of the chains, and only a guy like me can appreciate it as a defensive guy, your ability to consistently make one-yard gains, four-yard gains, and two-yard gains, six-yard gains, what you did 
for an offense and the impact you had on a defense just on that is amazing. Now, here's the thing with Emmett, and I've, I've argued this with Whitlock. And you two ought to be ashamed of yourselves. I can't believe I associate with you guys the smirching catch-22. Everyone thinks he just got a hole where he ran for 50 yards straight because no one touched him. Completely disagree. If you actually study a lot of Emmett Smith's runs, he gets the first four or five. But at the NFL level, you got to be able to break a tackle, evade a tackle, or run through guys. He did that a lot. Yes, he had a great offensive line. But the game that really showed me is Hart. 1993, regular season final, home field advantage in the first round is on the line, or throughout the playoffs, I believe. And the Giants were fighting for the NFC East. He busts his shoulder on that long run. He has one shoulder. He's crying. Everyone's like, oh, my God, we're done. They had to put like a knee pad in his shoulder. They had to shoot him up. The performance that he had, John Madden said on the CBS broadcast, this is the most heroic performance I have ever seen. And Jimmy Johnson will tell you, in 1993, any game that Emmett was not available due to holdout or an injury, they lost. It's not like they could just stick Steve Kim in there and Steve Kim runs for 138. No, I'm telling you, there are better running backs than Emmett. But if you put everything together, the vision, the size, the balance, uh, he's top 10. The guy had 18,000 career rush. Uh, McMahon, get out of the snowstorm. I need some help here. You, Matt is an offensive lineman. He will tell you how valuable it is for a guy to understand how to read a hole, to have vision, to stick it up in there. Now, my top five running backs. We will both agree on Eric Dickerson's in the top five, right? He's my number one. Okay. He's personal childhood favorite. Jim Brown was so far ahead of his game. Well, it's hard not to put Jim Brown in there, right? Yeah, he just didn't play long enough, but yeah. He played eight years, though. Yeah. Never missed a game. I mean, that guy was so dominant. Okay. You got to put Barry Sanders in there, right? Yeah. Yep. Maybe the best all-around runner or football player ever at this position, Walter Payton. Yep. And personally, well, I would so put far, all these guys are ahead of Emmett. Yep. Keep going. <laughs> right. And Emmett's fine. <laughs> Uh, over, over, over Bo Jackson, Marcus Allen. Wait, 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 wait. Bo had no longevity. You want to hold I, I get it, but I, I would argue with me. I would argue, Steve, that Emmett's not even a top three cowboy. Oh, my God. Okay, Tony Dorsett, obviously. Who else? Herschel Walker. Herschel Walker was not the running back. He was a better athlete. What? He was not the running back, did not have the instincts or the ability to make people miss the way Emmett did. Come on. And we you know here's another thing where Emmett was great at pass pro. You should appreciate that. That guy was a sixth offensive lineman in pass pro. Come on, coach. You hated running back. He had that the greatest O-line of all time. And the most accurate passer with Irvin, Novacek, and Harper in 21 personnel I formation with the moose blocking for him. And they oh, no, were wait, so that coach. accurate. That Emmett was Emmett, eating Emmett. all day long. I would have loved to see Eric Dickerson behind that old line oh, well, or Barry Sanders. And by the way, Emmett should not be penalized because the great Jimmy Johnson put together the greatest team in history. I get it. Okay, it's a blessing to be coached. And drafted by Jimmy Johnson. Remember, but, when they got there, they were 1-15. Yeah, okay, that was Tex Schramm. But anyway, here's the thing. 
No, I want to text Ram and Aikman got there in 89. No, in 80, well, you're right. But 88 was Irvin. You're right. But 89, look, everyone would have drafted Troy Aikman. That's the that's the fact. There was no yeah. debate about that. But here's the issue with with uh, Dickerson, and I loved Eric. Boy, he fumbled a little bit. He put that – I remember a playoff game. It was the 87 divisional or wild card round. You know, he fumbled three times. Lost the game. And that was the game Daryl Green ran him down for like 10. I couldn't believe it. broke my heart when Daryl Green ran. I never thought I'd see Eric Dickerson get run down. But Eric Dickerson laid the ball on the ground. Emmett Smith, that's another thing. I get it. It's not flashy. It's not glamorous. He secured the ball pretty well for as many times as he got. And he was a big game running back. If you look at his first five, six years in the playoffs, he was absolutely secretariat. No, Come I, on, coach. No, I know. Not I, even in your top 10. That is blasphemous. Nah, I got that I, is I, blasphemous. I got Barry, Eric, Dickerson, Walter Payton, Marshall Falk. I got Bo Jackson. I got Jim Brown. I got OJ. I got probably Dorsett and Walker. I got Jeez. Earl Campbell. And I would probably, I would probably put our main man in Chicago, uh, back in the day, Hugh Mac. I mean, uh, Gail Sayers. Gail Sayers. Um, Love Gail. Love that's Gail. That's not even with thinking too much. I'm not even thinking too much here. Ladanian, maybe. I don't know. Like, there's a guy. I don't know. I But I do give. You got to win. You got to be able to win and play and be durable. And I give Emmett all the credit in the world. He won and he was durable. He was available. So. And, Coach, I know. I Look, I get it. He was not running, like, seam patterns. He wasn't doing wheel routes like Ladanian and Marshall. But he was a he was a very reliable outlet guy. He actually caught like fifty passes a couple years. I would put George Riggins over Emmett. I mean, John Riggins. John, John Riggins. I'm sorry, John. One Riggins. of the all time underrated players. John Riggins was like the white Jim Brown. That's the, people don't realize. The Diesel ran a four three. How about Larry Zonka? Zonka was a great fullback, no doubt about it. But, but back in the day, those fullbacks yeah. were running back because yeah. they were running inside trap the whole damn wow. wow. Matt McChesney, I hope you're listening to this, and I hope you have not driven off the road. Wow. Uh, this is blasphemy. Yeah, we got like 10 minutes, man. I got to get in some boxing with you. Uh, <laughs> so is I want to argue two things, and I know, yeah. I know this, this is going to go crazy here. <laughs> right. Make sure you're recording this and put this out on Twitter today. Uh, Derek, let me ask you. Mike Tyson, great or overrated? A little bit of both. Mike Tyson came in an era where the heavyweight division was kind of in shambles, the end of Larry Holmes's run, which was very long. And you had a lot of guys that were promoted by Don King, and they were on drugs. They were undisciplined. Guys like Tony Tucker, Tony uh, Tubbs, Greg Page. Yeah, it was like the lost era of heavyweight boxing post-Muhammad Ali, Larry Holmes. And he just rampaged through everybody, became the youngest heavyweight champion ever in 1986, where he bounced Trevor Burbick off the canvas three times with one punch. And he was dominant for four years. But here's the issue with, with Mike Tyson. And I'm a fan of his now, because I think he's really changed as a person, and he's a great ambassador for the sport. What's his best victory? Is it a blown-up Michael Spinks, who was really a light heavyweight? And then after he got beat by Buster Douglas, who was a 42-1 to underdog, really a career underachiever, 
you can make an argument. He reached his peak at age 24. And I'm like, huh? And even when he came out of prison and was able to win a title or two, he faced guys like Bruce Selden and, and Frank Bruno. And then he got beat up, beat handily by Evander Holyfield. And the knock on Mike is that if you hit him back and you stood up to him, he, he was a little bit of a front runner. That's what people thought. That's the perception. I just don't think he had the longevity or the sustained greatness of a Joe Lewis, a Muhammad Ali, a Larry Holm, or even, even a Klitschko. You got to have that. To me, when I judge athletes, I actually think that having sustained success, like an Emmett Smith, it actually matters. To me, it matters. I think Tyson's one of the most overrated boxers of all time. Two. I'm just throwing yeah. it out there. He either knocked you out or he went the distance or he lost. I mean, he, and, he, and like you said, he lost to some people in the most watered-down heavyweight division in my – well, besides right now, in the history of boxing. I mean, boxing's died out because of MMA and UFC and all that. We can argue that too. And, Coach, go back to 1988. The summer of 88, I still remember I was in Montebello High School and. It was in the summer he fought Michael Spinks for the undisputed heavyweight title. Now, Michael Spinks was a, was a really a natural light heavyweight, beat an older Larry Holmes, was carefully guided, and they finally fought for the undisputed title. And by the way, the promoter of that event, some guy named Donald Trump, okay? I don't know what ever happened to him. But anyway, he blows out Michael Spinks in 91 seconds. He just looked devastating. But I knew Michael Spinks was in bad shape. When he was shaking inside, going into the ring, and he had and he had knee bandages or braces on both knees, I said, this ain't going to last long. But this is where you have to, like, you can't just be a prisoner of the moment. Because I distinctly remember as a kid reading that right now, the three greatest heavyweights that ever lived are Muhammad Ali, Joe Lewis, and Mike Tyson. And honestly, Mike Tyson at that point, you thought, man, he's never going to lose. Well, two years later, my senior high school, February 10th, 1990 in Tokyo, Japan, Buster Douglas knocked him out in, I believe, the 10th or 11th round. One of, and that's the fight, Coach. The great the boxing fan. You had a 10-second knock already, right? That was the yeah, whole. Yeah, but I disagree with that. I think Buster was going by the referee's count, which is the only count that counts, right? But they, every boxing fan, we call it the JFK moment. They say that in American history, if you were there living, you knew where you were when JFK got assassinated. Every boxing fan knows where they were when they found out or saw Mike Tyson lose. I, I yeah, look, Tyson to me, probably top 15 heavyweight of all time. Sustained success, early domination, was undisputed, scared the hell out of people. Does not have that overall longevity or the career consistency of many others. So I, I think there's truth somewhere in the middle with him. I got a buddy that uh, was actually at the club that night that he got into a fist fight with what he used to call Bitch Green. Mitchell. Oh, Mitchell Blood Green, yes. <laughs> he uh they had a straight out real fight, and he caught Mitch, he caught Green with a obviously they were about to fight in the real ring, but they got into it in a club in New York City. Yeah, and a buddy of mine was there, and he said Mitch Green gave it to Mike Tyson. Like they were going at it with bare knuckles. And uh we can argue that Mitch Green, did they fight twice? Mitchell Green fought once, and there's a famous scene because Mitchell got busted up. And after the fight, um, 
there's a famous news clip. I got to send it to you. So he gets, Mitchell was a character, Blood. Blood Green was a character. You couldn't make him. I met him one time, and he entertained and horrified me at the same time. But he liked me for some reason. And, and, and He had hands, though. No, he was a really good amateur in New York. So he actually gets on camera. And he's, all I got to say is about Michelle Sicily. And he's like flexing. Michelle Sicily Tyson, you old bitch. Michelle, and, and so I did that in front of him, and I think, oh, my God. And he looked at me, and he goes, man, you're a boxing historian. <laughs> I was like, thank God, I'm going to walk away now. But he was one of those crazy guys who you would never want to tangle with on the street. As a fighter, he was okay, didn't really work out, did not have the type of pro career many people did thinking coming out of the New York City Golden Globe. But I have to tell you, Tyson was a phenomenon. When we grew up, uh, Jason, in that era, that guy had like a Nintendo video game. He had a Pepsi commercial. Him and Robin Givens were doing commercials when they were married. He was on the Barbara Walters interview when Robin Givens threw him under the bus. I was like, wow, that, that ain't a good look. People, unless you grew up in that era, you had no idea the magnitude of Michael Gerard Tyson. Uh, I, 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 the magnitude is one thing. He was a spectacular guy. I, I love him to death. I always will just because he came in there and, you know, he had that swag and he was going to catch you with a left or an uppercut and you're knocked out because of it. Yeah. But if you stood his, your ground like Holyfield yeah. and outboxed him or Lewis or these guys that just had length on him, he always struggled yeah. with length and he always struggled yeah. with the psychology of a better boxer. And that's where I, I don't see him. He never beat anyone of any – yeah, he never beat anybody in their prime. A and B never beat anybody of significance, and that's why I have to go back and say, who did he really beat? Yeah, uh, I mean, he beat Larry Holmes, but Larry was coming off a two and a half year layoff. He weighed like three eighty. He was yeah, well, sloppy okay. and sloppy. He, he wasn't butterbean size yet, but I mean, look, Larry to his credit though, after he got knocked out by Mike, I think in four rounds. He ended up beating some pretty good guys in the 90s. Actually extended his career, gave Holyfield a tough fight, beat a young Ray Mercer. But you're right. Uh, Larry Holmes, if he had to do it over again, he'd probably take a tune-up fight or two before facing a prime version of Mike. Mike, 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 but again, I think Mike was great for the sport. True American icon. I would put him somewhere in the top 15. All right, where's Tyson Fury on your list? Not top 10. I know a lot of people have him in in there and i'm like wait a minute first of all the guy hasn't had 40 fights and he first won a title in 2015 against klitschko and then he went on a two and a half year hiatus where he had all sorts of issues and i'm like okay work out your issues but you don't get credit for it um and you know look he's beat deontay wilder but i don't know how good deontay wilder is very dangerous puncher technically unsound you could certainly say one-dimensional to me jason Unless you have at least 45 to 50 fights, it is almost impossible, in my view, to ever crack my top 10. Unless you really have an unbelievable quality of fights within those fights. But when you give me a guys like Hagler, Hearns, Barrera, Morales, Manny Pacquiao, even Floyd Mayweather had more than 50 fights. Now I can start to judge you. Because there's a body of work that I can really say you face this style, this style. Like, look, Ray Leonard only had about 39 fights. And I know Ray very well. One of the nicest gentlemen you'll ever meet for being a superstar. Great individual. Now, he only had 39 fights, but he had attached retina, took off long years of his career. But 
in those 39 fights, I mean, he fought Benitez, Hearns, Hagler. So that's a little bit different. But, Coach, I'm just telling you, when it comes to Tyson Fury, people always talk about, well, he's 6'9". Okay, but he's still almost been knocked out. He's been floored by cruiserweights. So I don't want to hear right now that you'd have him up there with the likes of Muhammad Ali and men of that. Look, I don't right now in terms of British heavyweights, he's still behind Lennox Lewis. Still behind Lennox Lewis. This. Let me ask you this question to get to the get the these get these guys before we get out of here, get these guys really riled up. I don't think Mayweather is even top five. You mean all time? I don't disagree. Again. Yeah, wanna... I don't know why that's so I don't understand why that is so contra look, is Mayweather the greatest, most skilled boxer of this era? Yes. In an era where guys fight twice a year, in an era where there's 12 round fights, in an era where there's four title belts, in an era, and, and he created this where he could fight anyone he wanted and kind of make everything in his favor. You really want to compare that to men like Sugar Ray Robinson, who fought over 220 times, when guys had to fight six, seven, eight times a year. I, I mean, give me a break. Look, Mayweather is a marketing master, greatest self-promoter that ever was, maybe the richest fighter. And, man, that was very important to him. But he flat-out avoided certain men like Winky Wright and Antonio Margarito. He did not fight a prime Pacquiao. So... I, it's always funny when you say this about Mayweather, the people come out on Twitter, they accuse you of racism and all that, and you just got to hold your ground. I, I have a hard time believing that Floyd Mayweather could really fight in any era. In terms of skills, yes. But we're talking about the era where guys had no videotape, they weren't allowed to pick and choose. They, they just basically said every couple of weeks, you're fighting this guy, this guy, this guy, like Ezra Charles, Archie Moore. Men of that ilk. Marvin Hagler, who as a prospect, went into Philadelphia and went through an absolute gauntlet of some of their toughest middleweights like Willie the Worm Monroe, Cyclone Hart, Benny Briscoe, took early losses, and it was like it was part of the game. The fighters are so are so protected nowadays in terms of who they face. I think their records are all basically Millie Vanilli. Seriously. He could have ever lasted in the Duran, Hagler, Hearn, Sugar Ray, Leonard. Uh, yeah. Era. Even the early De La Hoya. I think De La Hoya should have beat him. I thought he beat him even as an older guy. Well, the, I okay, I was, I was at that fight. I thought that fight was very close, edged it to Mayweather. But that version of De La Hoya in 1997 was really not the prime De La Hoya. And look, I thought I was there the night that Mayweather fought Jose Luis Castillo. It was April of 2002. I thought Castillo beat him. In fact, you ask a lot of people, they'll tell you that tough-ass Mexican who used to be the sparring partner of Julio Cesar Chavez should have given him that first loss. Marcos Maidana, tough, rugged, hard-punching Argentine. He may have beaten him that first fight. I actually think Floyd won that one. My view was, wait a minute. As much as I like Madonna and Castillo, I'll tell you this much. Uh, I don't think the likes of Julio Cesar Chavez or Ray Leonard, I, I don't think they have that much trouble with those guys. I'm just saying, give Mayweather his credit. He's great in a lot of facets. But this worship that certain people have of Floyd, 
it borders on being a cult. It's almost like if he told them to drink cyanide Kool-Aid, those people would gulp it down like they're at 7-Eleven with the it's big the gulp same station. nut jugglers that love LeBron over Kobe. I mean, I'm just telling you, it's the same fucking people. Let me ask you this. I have Roy Jones way up there. Mm. Do you? Roy's one of the great athletes, not fundamentally perfect or conventional, but he was like a great jazz artist that could riff. He had a style and technique all his own. I think at his best, Roy's one of the greatest athletes that ever did it. But also, he I don't want to say he avoided guys, but there's a lot of guys he missed because of network and promotional politics. I wish he would have cleaned out some of the guys that were from the UK and Darius Michalczewski when he was at light heavyweight. But for one night, if you were to say at their apex, if you had to choose Roy Jones as your fighter to take on all comers, I believe that you would have a lot of good nights. At his best, he was tough to beat. But with his style, though, which was so based on reflexes and quickness, and he wasn't fundamentally sound, as soon as he lost those reflexes, and then once his chin started to go south, I mean, it was a precipitous decline. That's why I thought Hopkins, even though he beat Hopkins in their first fight, they had a rematch years later when they were both older. Bernard was the more technically sound fundamental fighter, which is why he was able to fight really effectively into his late 40s. Where do you put Sugar Shane Mosley? I actually know the guy. Oh, I, I know Shane very Pomona. well. Grew up in Pomona. You like Shane? Him? Yeah, Shane is one of the guys I first covered at the L.A. Boxing back in the uh, late to mid-90s. At his best, which was between uh, 35 and 47, I would say he makes a very strong case for being a top 10 lightweight, very good welterweight, um, hard-nosed competitor. And he had great skills. And I was there the night he beat Oscar De La Hoya. It was the uh, first year of the Staples Center. It was between games five and six of the NBA playoffs between the Pacers and Lakers. And that night, Shane Mosley was special. He was not supposed to win that fight. He was supposed to be this blown-up lightweight, moving up two weight classes to face De La Hoya, who's still very much in his physical peak. And I thought he beat him clean. And that night, I said, yeah, Shane is special. Shane special. He was one of the best fighters we've ever had out of Southern California. That much is for sure. No doubt. Uh, when Roy Williams or Roy Jones fought, uh, who was that? Ruiz? John Ruiz. I was there in 2003. He was a title. John Ruiz was actually way better than a lot of people gave him credit for. You know, here's the thing with the quiet man, John Ruiz. He was really effective, but God, he would clutch a lot. His fights were very difficult to watch because he would clinch because he wasn't a great mid-range in-fighter. Yeah. But he had a pretty good jab, and he was durable outside of one fight with David Tua. He ended up – he, to me, is a guy that I respect because he's a hardworking guy that got everything out of his title. Actually beat an older version of Holyfield a couple times. Look, he got the most out of his ability. And that, that alone is to be expected or respected. But there's a reason why Roy Jones chose him and not the likes of a Lennox Lewis. They choose him for a reason. I agree with you. I I just let me ask you to get when, as we leave here. How watered down is boxing become oh, because of a UFC? Is that just because that you know what? And social media blew this thing up and and boxing oh. kind of has diminished, or is it because it's just a sport that was invented that's taken over the limelight? You know that's a factor. The MMA, but let's face it, a lot of the MMA guys are white wrestlers 
like they wrestle, you know, they do the traditional wrestling and they go to college. That's not really been the talent pool for American boxing. It's been basically blacks and the Latins. And so we still have that. But here's where boxing has gotten watered down. There are less fighters than there were before. Participation is down, at least in major cities, right? But there's a proliferation of networks and promoters who all gather their own talent. And then they have a network deal where they have to exclusively give content to those channels. So what happens is you basically have four or five different leagues of boxing where some of the best talent in the world in the same weight class will never fight or they fight when it's too late. At least in college football, you have non-conference games, you have bowl games, and now you have a playoff. So eventually a Michigan can play a Georgia. In boxing, a Michigan will always play on their network while a, um, a Georgia will always play on their platform. And the fact that we still have not gotten Errol Spence, Terrence Crawford, after all these years, and may never get it, is an absolute indictment on the current business of boxing. And too many times, the best do not fight the best. And here's another thing, and I, I argue this all the time, I do it ad nauseum. Coach, if boxing is already a niche sport, it is not the NFL, NBA, Major League Baseball, or college football, and your best fighters are now in a system, they only fight twice a year, which is once every six, seven, eight, nine months, how can boxing possibly be marketed and grow? It can't. Could you imagine Janet Jackson in her prime only doing a five-city world tour? She wouldn't be Janet Jackson. And I've argued that the whole time. I talked to some of the biggest, most important people in the game. They agree with me begrudgingly, but they have no answers for it. And I don't know where boxing goes into the future. Yeah, that's pretty bleak. I don't know. <laughs> I just don't know. Are people choosing as youngsters, as our parents and, and, and people, are they putting these kids into MMA and UFC over boxing? Yes, yeah, they are. But you know why? You know where it starts? The wrestling. Roy starts with wrestling, like Mario Lopez, my buddy. His son, Nico's a really good little wrestler. I mean, I've seen him, and he wins tournaments. And that's how a lot of the MMA guys evolve. A lot of them do jujitsu from Brazil and other parts of the world. But a lot of our MMA guys that you watch on UFC, they began as wrestlers. And then eventually, if they want to do this as a profession after they graduate, then they have to learn stand-up and striking. But most of these guys come, or many of these guys come from a wrestling background. Now, in terms of boxing, will we still have a lot of kids doing boxing? Yeah, a lot, especially a lot of the areas with a high concentration of, let's say, Mexican-Americans. They, they still have a lot of gyms that have a lot of kids. And I see it at night. Kids come in with their fathers. But overall, is boxing as big as it was when we grew up in the 80s, when we'd see it on ABC, CBS, and NBC? And we knew who Ray Leonard was. We knew who Mike Tyson was. We knew who. No, no, that's simply a fact. It's become more and more of a niche sport. And when you have your best and brightest performers only doing their jobs once or twice a year, that's an issue. Because I don't care what anyone says about college football. You're still going to get 12 to 15 games from your favorite team. In the NFL, you're going to get 17 games. National Hockey League, you get 82, NBA 82. So you know there's a bit of programming. In boxing, if you go through the Ring Magazine pound-for-pound pound list, I'm going to do an article on this soon. I do it yearly. 
if you look at the top 10 fighters in the world pound for pound, if you average out their number of fights, it's less than two. Jason, how do you market that? How do you move this forward when your best and brightest simply are not seen? Yeah, I agree. It's going to be rough, man. Um, I don't know. It's, it's interesting to say the least. Uh, they ask, they're asking questions. Will we ever see Fury and Usyk? Yes, in March. I believe that fight will happen. It'll be somewhere in, I believe, one of the Middle Eastern countries that'll, that'll finance that event. My understanding is that fight is on its way to being completed. Um, I got to get you on here tomorrow for Work Boot Wednesday with Chase Sr., who covers the 49ers and the Eagles. And uh, I got to get you on here with him. Uh, you got this. How did you start? Did you start it? I started it, and I have to tell you, I'm going to call you the vagabond. Here I thought Larry Brown had a lot of jobs. Man, you you were moving all over the place. You, hey. you, need, you needed to have a you, – you know you know what? The, as many times as you switched jobs and moved, you should have had an NIL with U-Haul or starving students. I, I can't believe how many times early in your career, Coach, you moved jobs. Jeez. Hey, I had to move around, man. It's, a say, it's no difference in Lane Kiffin. It's in these other dudes. That's what the football world is. And now, and now what happens is now the kids are doing it. Yeah. Hey, man, I appreciate you so much. I'm uh, I'm working on my studio today. I got I got a guy coming here to get my can't damn wait to see it. Up. I gotta get this. Uh, I gotta get this damn uh, garage done so we can uh, smoke cigars in the studio, and then I'll get you here live for a show. All right, absolutely. Have a great day, Coach. Appreciate right, it. Too. Appreciate it. Later, Steve Kim. Uh, appreciate him coming in. Listen, I'm gonna get out of here today. Uh, appreciate everybody hitting the like button. Going over to CoachJBStore.com, twenty percent off. I got a guy here to pick up my piano. And uh, we're working on the studio and the cigar lounge all week long. And then, uh, but I'll see you tomorrow morning with Chase Sr. and Steve Kim as we'll break down some football and uh, all things Jalen Hurts and if he, is he injured or not. Appreciate you guys. I'll see you tomorrow. Uh, much love. Peace. <laughs>